0: Chapter 2. The Birth of the Unborn With the approach of the most auspicious time, when the star Rohini was in ascendancy and all the other stars and planets were in favourable positions, Janardana, the Lord who takes away the pangs of birth and death, the Eternal, the Immortal and the Birthless, chose to be born as a son of Devaki and Vasudeva. Peaceful silence reigned in all the quarters, the stars shone clear in the sky, the rivers flowed with pellucid waters, the tanks were full of lotus blossoms, the woods were resonant with the chirping of birds and the buzzing of bees, fluttering between the trees and creepers, laden with flowers. Soft blew the breeze, dust-free and fragrant, and gently glowed the fires, in the sacrificial hearts of the holy an ineffable peace stole into the minds of all men the time was approaching midnight and many jewels sprouted in the bowels of the earth and the birds woke up and started crooning softly the moon and the stars with their full complement of stars amongst whom the star Rohini was the brightest came out this special conjunction of the eighth-day moon with the constellation Johini, her heralded the birth of the Lord. Muddy waters became clear, springs gushed forth, and the waves of the sea came rushing in to try and get a peep at the place where the mighty drama was about to commence. Little breezes crying carrying the sweet perfume of a million newly-opened blossoms thrust their way into the dungeon and played with the curls round Devigy's head As she lay in labour, noble people everywhere were wide awake, for they felt as if something momentous was about to take place. The wicked slept the sleep of the dead. In fact, Kamsa had never slept so soundly since the day of the prophecy. And as for the gods, they were snoring so loudly that nothing short of an earthquake would have woken them up. The creator Brahma and the other celestials entered the labour room, and him the Lord, whom they could see shining within Devaki's womb. The sages and gods showered flowers from above. The clouds roared gently in tune with the ocean. At such a time, in the pitch darkness of midnight, Vishnu, the resident in the hearts of all, was born of the divinely beautiful Devaki. At the moment of his birth, the prison was filled with a soft light emanating from the babe himself in that one brief instant when she held him in her arms. Devaki forgot the ordeal of the morrow, forgot the cruel death that awaited her child, and knew only the bliss of the mother as she holds her new-born in her arms. Vasudeva was in a trance of delight, for he saw before him that divine form which had shone in his heart ten months ago and which had throbbed in Devaki's womb ever since. O oh, lucky parents! What tortures would one not go through to her, si- her sight like this? Lotus-eyed, four-armed, sporting the conch, mace and other weapons, with a luminous Sri mark on the chest and the shining jewel, Kastuba, wearing a yellow garment, possessed of the mi- majesty and grace of a rain cloud, with locks gleaming with the luster of the diadem and earrings, studded with precious gems, bedecked with splendid ornaments, Such was the wondrous form of the divine child that appeared before them. Realizing the child to be none other than Hari, Vishnu, the Supreme Being, Vasudeva prostrated himself before him and sang a hymn of praise. He gazed in those glorious eyes which were overflowing with love and felt waves of bliss washing over him so that he could no longer keep his balance. Again and again he prostrated before this vision, knowing him to be indeed that formless Brahman extolled in the Vedas which had taken on the form of his son. Then Devagi exclaimed, "Thou art verily Vishnu, the light spiritual, the unmanifest, the vast, the luminous. I take shelter in thee, the supreme shelter, that thou who bearest the whole universe within thyself." should have taken birth in my small womb, is part of Thy divine Leela, Thy incomprehensible play, by which Thou dost beguile the entire creation. The Lord now spoke, O great lady, having controlled your mind and meditated on me in your two previous births, you have repeatedly asked for the boon that I might be born as your son. It is in fulfillment of this request that I am now taking my third birth in your womb as your son. I have given you a vision of my divine form, so that you will recognize me. Meditate on me, therefore, as the Supreme Spirit, and not merely as your son, and you will rise to higher states of consciousness and attain my state. Looking at his father, he continued, Arise now and go to Gokula, to the house of the cowherd chief, Nanda. His wife, Yashoda, has just given birth to a baby girl who is none other than my yoga maya. Leave me there and bring her back. So saying, he turned into a newborn infant once more, and the veil of maya descended on his parents. Devaki picked up this bundle of bliss and started nursing him. Vasudeva was in a hurry to be off, but she would not be hurried. Who can blame her? Once having taken him in their arms, who is it that can bear to let him go? Happily, he went to sleep in her arms as she looked on entranced. Reluctantly, she relinquished this bundle of bliss into the anxious arms of her husband, who had been waiting for an opportunity to hold him to his heart. He had forgotten to question the babe as to how a prisoner could walk out of a dungeon at midnight and go to Gokula, but as he rose up he found that he was free, wrapping the infant in his own upper garment, he held him tenderly in his, to his heart, and went towards the massive door of the prison, which was bolted and barred with iron bars. To his amazement the bolts t- slid back, the logs turned, the chains fell softly, and the heavy doors swung outward of their own accord. Outside the guards and soldiers slumbered heavily and no one woke as Vasudeva with the baby Krishna nestling within his robe passed into the open. Here there was a heavy storm. The winds raged and his heart was heavy with foreboding as he listened to the sound of the gushing waters of the Yamuna in the distance and wondered how he would ever be able to ford it and reach the other bank on such a night. But lo, as he stepped out, not a drop of rain fell on his head, for it is said that Shesha, the celestial serpent on whom the Lord Vishnu is set to relax, followed him with his hoods upraised, acting as a gigantic umbrella over the Divine Child. From the distance he saw the Yamuna rising in a turbulent flood, but as he came nearer, the waters parted, so that he walked across with only a trickle washing over his feet, for the Yamuna wanted to have the honor of washing the blessed feet of him, who was lucky enough to carry the Lord. At last Vasudeva came with his precious burden to the village of Gokula and to the dwelling place of Nanda, the chief of the cowherds. Softly the door of the farmhouse opened before him, and as he entered he saw a light burning in the first room within the doorway. The lamp stood by the bedside of a sleeping mother and her newborn child. Quietly Vasudeva bent down and exchanged the children. To the herdsman's wife he gave the divine child, and from her side he took her little daughter. Once more he bent down and kissed that pearly forehead. Then with a last lingering look on that beloved face, He slowly backed out of the door. His sense of desolation after leaving the child was so great that he knew not where he went and cared less. And Maya Devi, the goddess who lay in his arms, had to direct his footsteps so that he crossed the river once again and reached the dungeon in the city of Mathura, and handed over the baby girl of Yasurda to his own wife Devaki. He returned to the pillar and found himself once more in chains. The doors of all the buildings remained bolted and barred as before. Hardly had he put the child on Devaki's lap. than she started squalling at the top of her voice. The guards jumped up in haste and went running to Kamsa, carrying the news of Devaki's delivery, which the former was awaiting with dread. They had orders to wake him up at whatever time of day... Or night, the time the baby was born. Sword in hand, without waiting to dawn his kingly ornaments, he rushed to the dungeon with disheveled hair and legs stumbling on the path. Where is he? Where is he? he shouted. Where is that puling mewling babe? It is better to kill the cobra's young in its nest before it can grow up and kill me. So saying, he snatched the child from his sister's arms. But it's a girl, it's a girl, she moaned, and deserves to be spared. Oh, brother, you have killed so many of my children, all brilliant like flames. Spare me at least this one, a daughter. Am I not your sister? The prophecy mentioned a boy, and this is a girl. What harm can she do to you? Return her to me, therefore I beg of you. In spite of her piteous appeals, Kamsa snatched the baby from her bosom and said, It's some trick of Vishnu, the master trickster. Girl or boy, what do I care? I'll see her in hell first. So saying, he grasped the tiny feet and swung the baby round in order to dash it down on the rock, bathed in the blood of six other children. But as he lifted it aloft, it slipped from his grasp and flew into the air. And as he looked up in surprise, he saw the beauteous eight-handed form of the goddess, decked in celestial garments and ornaments and armed with many weapons in each of her hands, shining above him. She declared in a laughing musical voice, "O fool, of what use is it for you to kill me? The one to kill you has already been born. He lives within a radius of ten miles from here. I have spared you today since you caught hold of my feet, and because of that I bless you, O Kamsa, with death at the hands of Lord Vishnu, the giver of eternal life. So saying, the Yogamaya of the Lord disappeared and manifested herself under different names in other parts of the world. Kamsa was sunk in gloom and decided to release his sister and husband and begged their pardon for his atrocities. At daybreak, however, he sent for his evil counsellors, who advised him to kill all the babies in the outlying districts, as well as all holy men. For Vishnu is said to hide in the hearts of the holy. Being thus advised by his vicious ministers, he sunk himself in that infernal crime of infanticide and harassment of the virtuous, and let loose a rain of terror unparalleled in the history of the world. The persecution of the virtuous leads to man's absolute ruin. It annihilates his longevity, good fortune, reputation and his prospects in the hereafter. Thus ends the second chapter of Shri Krishna Leela, named The Birth of the Unborn. Hari Om Tat Sat.
1: 자 <목소리도> Then a sample, Shaka, Krishna, am why